0: You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast. And I'm your host, Lalita G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie, May, May and Lakeisha Uh-oh, mama does. I'm not Mookie, Manny, May, and Lakeisha's uh-huh. mama. Tri- 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 a preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby. And his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl. If chump don't want no help, chump don't get no help. Oh, And a singer. And I... And I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I am an advocate for black girls everywhere they are, and I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls. And be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Any scene depicted in this episode is a fictionalized dramatization based on true accounts and public records. We aim to give voice to the story and tragedy of Erica Hill's life. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised.
1: Another great session of the African American Ethnic Academy is a wrap. Those kids wore me out today, boy!
2: I know. (laughs) A lot of our learners at Lincoln come from challenged homes and their education has been affected by life circumstances. But this Erica girl, she is a bundle of joy. She just started the fourth grade with us at Lincoln. Arlington, I'm telling you, that girl is really something special.
1: Oh yeah? How
2: so? She is so intelligent, exceptional even. Her eyes are so full of life. You can tell that she loves learning. I can see her becoming a doctor or even a scientist. She has a bright future ahead of her. I just know it.
1: I can't believe we're already starting a new year of the African American Ethnic Academy.
2: I know, babe, the time is going so fast.
1: Did you notice anything about Erica the past couple of Saturdays?
2: Actually, yes. I've been noticing some changes in her at school, too. I don't see that same bright eyed, joyful girl that I used to see skipping down the halls when she first got here. I've been hearing from some of her teachers that her grades are starting to drop. I'm really starting to get concerned.
1: Yeah, me too. Our fifth grade graduates are on their way to middle school. Time has gone by so fast.
2: It really has.
1: Hey babe, I noticed today that Erica had on a long sleeve shirt, a turtleneck, and long pants. And it was so hot, something isn't right.
2: The light has gone out of her eyes almost completely.
0: The thing that has constantly amazed me about telling the story of Erica Hill has been all the ways that serendipitously I get connected with folks. And one of the things that I really wanted to know as we were telling her story is what was the younger Erica like? And we've been trying to find someone in her family from Joliet before she came to Madison. I've been trying to find someone who knew her during her elementary years and really felt like having that information was gonna help tell a fuller story about her and her experience. And talking to one of the young ladies who I interviewed earlier, Carla Williams, and I was sharing this frustration with her, she says, Well, have you tried Miss Davis? She probably knew her. And I called up Miss Davis, and not only did she know Erica, but she knew the whole family. And I am joined by Andreelle Davis today and her husband, Arlington Davis, who are the founders of the African-American Ethnic Academy, which they can tell you a little bit more about it. But it was a staple in our community for about 12 years that really helped elevate the minds and the esteems of black children as being learners and important learners in our community. So welcome to the Davises. Welcome, Andrell. Welcome, Arlington. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you very much. So just tell me just a little bit about the African-American Ethnic Academy.
4: Well, one of the things that I want to say about it is that it was actually founded by a group of African-American teachers who were known as the African-American Educators Association and... um, They had some concerns, as we still do today, about the achievement gap, attitude gaps, opportunity gaps. And the um, African-American Ethnic Academy was actually established by that group of educators uh, before my husband and I came on board. Okay. Um, We, a couple of years later, we both became co-directors of the so of the African American Ethnic Academy. And so um, during our time there, we were able to connect with many families and um, grew our own family with the children, the adults, community members that helped us in carrying out our goals and programs for uh, for the program. Wonderful, wonderful.
0: Um, and I know my son when he was younger was able to participate one or two summers. It was a wonderful, wonderful program. So um, so that's one way that you knew Erica, but Andrea, I'll start with you because you also knew her because you were an educator at Lincoln Elementary School, which she attended when she first came here in 2001.
4: Yes. At the time, I was blessed to be able to serve in several capacities I had previously been a classroom teacher at Lincoln Elementary School, primarily teaching third grade, but also had the opportunity to teach fourth and fifth at Lincoln as well for um, each of those levels for a year. Um, I also was a family engagement coordinator and also um, during my time was able to serve as a reading specialist. And so. I was able to interact throughout the building with many students. And I met Erica when she uh, was adopted uh, by Marie Hill. And she came to the school and she she struck me because while I was experiencing many of our African-American children um as we categorized it, um, my friend Michelle Belnavix calls it striving to succeed. Many of our African-American students were striving to succeed. Yes, And Erica just seemed to have this natural brilliance that came from her. And so immediately I was drawn to that brilliance and she was her eyes. I remember her eyes just having a sense of, um, That that brilliance coming through those eyes and her just being knowledgeable about science and about math and about so many different subjects. And I was just struck by um, her spirit and by what was coming through intellectually, um, spiritually. Um, She just was someone that you I stood up and took notice of as she arrived at our school. And so when she arrived, what was her dress like? She was, she see, she was well-kept again, as she seemed to be like the, you know, the total package. She seemed to, um, again, be well-kept. Her Uh-oh. clothes were very neat. Her hair was, uh, she always had braids and she had beads and she, uh, Her her dress went along with what I described about what you would get from her, you know, inside and out as a human being. She just was uh, well packaged, so to speak.
0: So one of the things I want to ask, and we'll get into more of this later, is as Erica matriculated to middle school, one of the common things that has been said by friends, associates, and professionals from right middle school is that Erica always wore a turtleneck, long sleeves, long pants every day, cold, hot, it didn't matter, and her hair was very unkept to the point where even some of her braids were falling out. It was so
4: undone. And this is not the Erica that you saw. No, it was it was not the Erica that I saw initially, like I said when she arrived, um, she just seemed to have the total package and everything okay. seemed to match Um, the way that she exuded what was on the inside, as well as uh, what that package, quote unquote, looked like on the outside. So if you had one word to describe her when you first met Erica, what word would you use? I just keep thinking of, actually, I think of two words. I think of brilliant and I think of vibrant. Those two words just keep coming to mind when I think about her and I think about my first encounters with her. I think of brilliance and I think of vibrancy.
0: Wonderful. And then Arlington, I'll ask you that same question. When you first began to engage with Erica um, in the program, what is one word that you would use to describe her?
3: Well, well, unfortunately, my wife took it. It's vibrant. She was a very bright, vibrant young lady. Um, and we just we we just saw tons of potential and, with her
0: and then how many years, you know, I know it's been some time, but do you remember about how many years Erica participated in the African American ethnic academy?
3: I believe she participated um through when we left. is Is that right, Andre?
4: Yes. So they were one of the um, early families that became involved. And if our memory is serving us well, I would say that they probably participated anywhere between 10 and 12 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. The family. Okay. As a whole. Okay. All Mm -hmm. the kids. And so
0: with, with Erica, one of the things that her teacher and her, social worker from middle school, they said she really struggled academically and really paled in comparison to her sisters academically. They were getting all A's, really good grades, and Erica just struggled academically. What are your thoughts about that?
4: That, uh, to me, when you look at uh, over time, I think that that is a very different picture of what we saw at the um, academy early on, as well as what her academic um, experiences looked like at Lincoln Elementary School. And in hearing the stories, I would have to say that there was a a slow decline Uh in her achievement. And again, I would... From what I saw initially, she um, probably probably ranked very high academically um, across the board at the elementary level, and then probably experienced a um, decline. From what I'm hearing from the stories, by the time she reached middle school, okay. And so you all knew the whole family, just as
0: a whole. how did the family seem? How did the mom seem, and what was the interaction that you all noticed between mom, the kids, mom, and Erica, Erica, and our other siblings?
4: I'm going to let you answer. Begin that answer. Harley.
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, we were we were very very close um, to the family, um, and we were very very supportive of the family uh they seemed very very uh, um interested or in enthusiastic about the the african-american ethnic academy uh they were one of what we would call our regular staples uh in the in the academy and our our kids were also uh, uh linked with them by age okay so they were they were um they were all, um, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. I can, I can recall, um, uh, when they were, str- when they were struggling, I, I was so proud that, that, uh, the mother had, um, had gotten a job at the city mm-hmm. and, um, and, and the, the, uh, girls were, um, uh, we're we're graduating and things of that nature. So the with the exception of my my uh, wife and I having occasional discussions after a, a a Saturday session of the academy where we would say things t- like it doesn't seem like she is completely with us, there's something going on. Uh And so we didn't, we didn't know if, you know, exactly what was going on, but Erica, you know, we, from the start in, in the elementary stage, we got to, we had uh, to visualize, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say visualize, we actually experienced her growth, if you will, Uh um, at the academy. And so we could see the changes. Uh, that occurred. So you had this vibrant young young lady in elementary school, and you just saw a slow decline. And with that, um, we didn't we didn't have any idea of what was really going on. we We just it, it just kind of uh, raised an eyelid like the, uh, the, w- what's going on in terms of the decline of her enthusiasm, her dress, her, just her overall par, uh, personality. How did it go from such a vibrant person to a person who was so withdrawn?
0: Okay, and so Arlington, you talked about her dress and this, her attitude. Andrew, what else would you say you saw as part of that decline from the
4: outside? What were some of the signs you saw? I think we've talked about them. We did notice uh, the difference in dress. Mm-hmm. It did become very apparent that uh, she, no matter what the season, she would have on a turtleneck. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, when I talked about that brilliance coming through the eyes, as I as I think back, I see the eyes slowly closing, mm. slowly closing, and um, also something coming from the spirit saying there's something not right but I'm not privy to be able to tell you what it is okay and um like my husband said going from being vibrant and a person that would command your attention based on the brilliance and everything that was coming from her inside and out to a person who was withdrawn, and as I think back, a person who was slowly becoming more and more invisible. Wow. Wow. And we know
0: hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the time, what was going through either of your minds as to what you felt was contributing to this change in her, and did you see the change in the other kids as well or was Erica's change um, more noticeable,
4: extreme? I've thought about that question several times, and I've thought about that question from an individual standpoint as well as from a community standpoint. hmm And as I've thought about that question, one of the things that comes to mind for me is that Oftentimes, dealing with what we deal with in the community from a racial standpoint, um, racial, ethnic, culturally, a lot of times we may feel that we have to be overly protective of what might be happening in our personal lives or what may be happening in our homes because We may be experiencing some things um, that constantly put us on uh, in protective mode. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like with that, there were a lot of people probably saying from a cultural standpoint, we're not going to involve ourselves in other people's business to that depth and to that level. Also, that the second thing that I think about is um the strong connection that the family had to church mm-hmm. and with with the outside perception of the connection that the family had to church, then there must have been some thought processes around it can't be all bad because this is a deep uh spiritually connected and Christian family. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't add up to where something so wrong could be happening and you have this, I'm going to call it well-plotted identity Mm -hmm. around being a strong Christian family some of the ideas about what you think might be going on they don't line up with that identity yeah
3: yeah
4: Arlington would you have anything to add to that
3: well yeah i i i i can recall it was a very very cold winter's night and um uh we were on the west side of Madison uh very close to I want to say the Marriott Hotel out there uh, towards Middleton. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: We were out. I can't recall exactly what we were doing, but we happened to pass by. um, At that time, uh, Maria had a, a, a van and all of the kids, it was very, very late at night. All of the kids apparently were in that van. And that was kind of a... A signal. I want to say we we got them something to eat or something to that, but it was apparent that they were living in that van, and it was at that point that um, I told uh, I told my wife there's something really really odd going on here, mm-hmm. and um, and but we left it we left it alone. It was uh, well after the. The academy, okay. and so we we basically gave them what we had, and but that that night sticks in 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 my mind for some reason, um, and it was all of them in a van. I think they even had a dog or something like that.
0: Okay,
3: um, staying in the van, and the van uh, full of like clothes, and I, I mean it was. It, it, it wasn't a good look, and yeah. um, but we we couldn't um, you know we couldn't we could only extend ourselves to the point of uh, giving them whatever short term term needs they had. Man, I think it was food, but um, that that sticks in my mind. i uh, unfortunately I can't remember the the uh, the year, right? But uh, it was definitely when they were in a tremendous decline.
0: And was Erica there at that time? Do you recall?
3: Do you um, um, do? Do you recall?
0: I do remember her being there. Okay, mm-hmm. okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I asked this question, and it's it's hard to ask this question without sounding like I'm pointing the finger. But I asked this question because I'm really curious as to how this whole story unfolded to the point of wanting to be able to pick it apart, see what we can learn from it. So that the next Erica that comes, we have a greater understanding. And Andrell, you brought up something that I think is one of the issues that we find ourselves where we find ourselves as a community around Erica Hill. And I think it is the cultural piece. You know, um, there's a couple branches off of that tree one you know growing up you learn as a black person to mind your own business because you don't want anybody else in your business what's going on in your home and to leave other folks business alone two the other branches that is you don't tell white folks what's going on you don't let white folks know because we have seen Time and time again, what happens when white folks, the system, gets involved with Black families, it usually doesn't fare well in the long-term behalf. And whatever the initial reason was that that family might have gotten into the system, the attempt to service that, fix it, help, ends up putting the family in a worse type of scenario. Does that seem to sum up some of the reasons why you all may... Um, have been limited in, in your response and why you think there might have been limitations from other folks who knew this family well from getting deeper, more deeply involved. In and then, Andrel, you did mention the third piece, and that's kind of the spiritual piece. This is a woman who is portraying herself as a deep Christian. She's very involved in her church, very involved in the community. That those three things play a role for you? And why do you think those three things play a role for many of us in our community.
4: Well, I think you summed up what I was trying to say earlier in a nutshell, and you did it much more eloquently. Um, and I, I do, I have, I have one more thing to add to that. As you were speaking, it came to me. I, I want to say that um, absolutely, one hundred percent. The three summarizations that you gave are the reasons why. Mm. And I also want to say that the fourth one is you could calm the community. And I'll speak to our experiences at the academy. You could calm the community and find a number of people who this family collectively, mother and children had done so much for. Mm -hmm. If we ever had a a program at the African-American Ethnic Academy, and for example, a large program like our annual Kwanzaa celebration, we knew that that entire family was going to stay until the last table was wiped, until the last floor was swept. Mm. Until the last dish was washed. Mm -hmm. They were going to be there for us. Um, I remember a time when my husband was sick and the entire family came to our home and prayed for my husband. Mm. And I mean a deep, powerful prayer warrior type of praying. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you were on the outside looking in, and as my husband said, one of his proud moments was when the mom got a job with the state and she was working with um, students with severe disabilities. You look at someone like that and you, you look at that type of work Mm -hmm. and you, you place a heart and a ministry on that type of work. And so, again, when you look around and you you can talk to many families, there was a lot done by the family for people in the community. And in hindsight, I'm not sure what the motives may have been in Mm -hmm. terms of... The mom leading that kind of work and again creating that type of identity, going along with being a Christian, but also giving back to the community. Um that's a that would be a fourth reason why, because you would feel a sense of this relationship needs to work in reciprocity, and I need to be more of a help than a hindrance to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see this hardworking mother. She's
0: raising her kids right. She's in the church. She loves the Lord. She's serving her community. All I want to do is help her continue to be her best self.
4: Exactly. And we saw, like my husband said, we saw little inklings of the struggle and what was truly going on behind the scenes. And in retrospect, are able to put it together as a whole. But during the time, you chalk it up to that's life and this happens mm-hmm. to everybody and people are going to fall on hard times and you know bad things are going to happen but it's just all a part of life and so that fourth reason I think is is equally as um important when telling the story about why you know people may or did not get as involved as they should have I agree I agree myself <laughs> Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Arlington, anything you have to add on that?
3: Um I, I all I can say is that uh and, and my wife will attest to it. Um I was uh absolutely um devastated um with the, you know, the ultimate uh, outcome and um of course, anytime time that uh like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty.
0: Uh-huh.
3: I immediately began to reflect on, well, why didn't we chime in a little bit more on these signs? Um, but I think, you know, j- just through this this uh, casting that, um, it it's also an exercise for us because we there there we would have no idea of. Um, that kind of uh, uh, uh of the, the kind of devastation unless um we saw different um a different kind of uh persona
0: mm-hmm.
3: by the mom right. and you know her engagements in the community i mean um it, it, as black folks you know you, you know that there are there 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 Uh, internal issues with any and in in all families. Right. But you don't, you don't necessarily, uh, chime in. We, we had 112 students. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you, you, you may look around and like I said, uh, my wife and I would often, um, after the Academy, just talk about different kids and, um, and we would say, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on with our Erica, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and then we just move on. So, so that's, that's pretty much how, um, what, what I would add, yeah. Um uh, I am proud that the, the, that the, the other, her kids, um, Seem to have gone on, and I mean, this is a devastating thing. It has to be a devastating thing psychologically to to all of them. Right. And so it seems like they are managing, um, but I was personally devastated, uh, cried like a baby when I heard the news about Erica.
0: Wow. You know, thank you for sharing that. You know, I was thinking about this as I was getting prepared for this conversation, just um, having worked in the community for 30 some odd years in schools, ministering in church um, and, and things throughout the community. I've seen and work with a lot of young people work with a lot of our families. And I honestly can say, I have never seen a case where a child has been missed with great signs more than Erica. And I was thinking about this, like, okay, people that I know, respect, respect them professionally, respect them religiously, if you will, spiritually, you know, all, this is like one of the most well-connected families I have come to find in the Madison community from the African-American ethnic community commit um, academy to the governor's house. You know, this family was well-known, served, loved, respected, revered. And I began thinking about this. And then in my mind's eye, what I saw was as Erica began to decline, I saw in my mind's eye, Marie, like jumping in front of her, with a song and a dance yada 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 you know so that you almost couldn't believe what you saw that was going on with erica because all this other stuff the smoke and mirrors everything else looked so good it was hard you know how they say and Angela, i know you know this as an educator they say like your mind cannot hold two diabolically opposed thoughts So you either have to believe what you're seeing in Erica as she declines and changes, or you have to believe what you see in Marie, this hardworking, committed, sanctified, community-loving person. I think it was the bringing of the two that was impossible, it seems, for people to really reconcile in their minds.
4: Once again, you eloquently summarized it, and most of us, the the shine was brighter on the song and dance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it was sparkly. It was what you wanted to see. We all want to believe, you know. We all want to see that pull yourself up by your bootstraps, hardworking black mother winning. Hit by life circumstances, but winning, not quitting, invested in her kids, having her kids in the best programs, having her kids in church on Sundays. We all want to believe in that, you know, and so um, I think that that I once said that I felt like that was a full time job for Marie. Maintaining that persona. Mm-hmm. That was a full time job. So one of the questions I want to go back and ask again, especially with you, Andrel, seeing, even though I know Erica was never in your classroom, but having seen Erica, maybe more on an ongoing basis, not just on Saturdays, because she was in your school when she first came. Um, did you notice any scars? Because at that time she wasn't wearing the turtlenecks and the long pants. Did you notice any scars on her hand, on her arms or on her neck or legs? I absolutely did not see any scars whatsoever. (laughs) And the reason I asked that, and thank you for that, the reason I ask is, um, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit here. As I read through court documents and reports, one of the things that Marie used as the justification for disposing of Erica's body in the heinous way in which she did and using her kids to do that, was that Erica came here already having been beaten by her mother at the time, Marie's mother. um, And she had all of these scars on her body from 2001 is when Erica's adopted mother, grandmother slash grandmother passed. And when she came into Madison. So part of Marie's excuse was if I call the police and say, I came home and I found Erica just dead in the home. They will look at these scars and they'll think that I beat her. So I'm working to establish that that's just not true. That Erica did not come here, scarred all up
4: from head to toe. Oh, I had I had not heard that story before, and I don't, as you were talking, one of the things that struck me in my memory is that I don't ever remember her wearing dresses. She always had on pants, but she did not always wear turtlenecks, especially when she first got here. Um, She didn't always wear long-sleeved clothes when she first got here as well, so... Those are the things that are kind of coming to my memory right now as you're speaking. So had those scars been there in 2001,
0: when she got here, everyone would have already seen them. And so that would have been no reason for that. So I'll progress the story. And I don't know how much y'all knew beyond this, but I'll push in some things and then ask for some response So to fast forward to 2004, Erica is now in middle school and she's in eighth grade, the fall of eighth grade. And from speaking to professional support people from Wright Middle School, sixth grade, they suspected Erica was being abused. Seventh grade, they suspected she was being abused. Eighth grade, they suspected she was being abused. You know, with the dress change and just some of her behavior her grades were bad. They they suspected she was being abused to the point where they even had some staffing on Erica and saying, okay, who's going to try now to get her to talk? And they would elect or volunteer various people in her life that they felt she was close with at the school to try to get her to talk. And so what happened in the fall of 2004 one of her teachers approached Erica and asked to see her neck. She had on a turtleneck. She asked if she would pull it down and Erica complied. And she saw some scratches on her chest as well. At this time, she goes to the school social worker at right. The nurse gets involved, examines her. They call social services on this day. and report the abuse although erica did not say verbalize she did not verbalize my mother is doing this to me but they call social services this day and everybody goes home the next very next day all of the kids are pulled from right school two days later the whole apartment is empty and marie and the kids have left town and so I know Marie was gone for about a year or so um, from 2004 to 2005, maybe 2006. The family comes back to town and all the kids are enrolled in school again. Some of them were involved, enrolled in Verona. And um, all the kids are re-enrolled in school except for Erica. Erica is marked as being Homeschool. So one of the things I want to ask you, because it would seem like across this period of time when they came back, was the Hill family once again involved in the African American Ethnic Academy at that time? And do you all remember seeing Erica at all between the years of 2004 and 2007?
3: Well, I know that the 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 uh, time that I was sick that that was in two thousand six, right, D?
4: Yes.
3: And and so yeah, we would have had, have had to have seen them. Um, they 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 would have probably returned to the academy as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I'd have to go back into the records, but. Um, but yeah i do, i do think that we saw them um um they that that they returned to the academy uh in 2006
0: and do you recall when they came over to pray for you during that time and then around between 2006 and 2007 do you recall seeing erica specifically
3: that i don't um uh, but um d do you have ever... a an idea? Uh,
4: I'm trying to remember if she was a part of the praying circle and um, okay. I can't say for sure.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so I'll ask you all maybe offline if you do have some of those records to see if Erica was reinvolved with the family between somewhere between 2004 and 2007 because as it stands I haven't been able to find someone who has said they actually saw Erica after that time Mm. and it was in 2007 in February when Erica was killed and so let's fast forward to two thousand well, let's let's between two thousand and seven and two thousand and fifteen. Erica is dead now. And the family is still in Madison. Marie is still in church, involved with various things in the community. Did you all have the occasion to see the family and inquire where's Erica?
3: I know that we had um um on occasions uh, uh seen the family because they 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 went to West High School
0: mm-hmm. and our
3: kids went to West, and and our kids went to West um but you know what we never did quite chime into what Erica's status was
0: okay okay um so 2015 comes around September October and it hits the news that marie has been arrested for the murder of erica hill and she was accused by her daughter kiera of killing erica it hits the news what are some of the first thoughts that come to mind and how do you respond as individuals and as a family
3: well as i said earlier i was i was devastated um the um uh, just the thought of what had transpired and the thought of our past relationship with the family. Um, it, it was, it was pretty, pretty significant. And so that's pretty much all I can say about it is that mm-hmm. um, I was quite devastated. It seemed like the wolf, you know, they, they pulled the wolf over our head and uh, I can't say they, but Maria and um, that was Pretty much all uh, we could we could hold on to it.
4: Right. How about you, Andrew? I just started reflecting on the whole journey and mm-hmm. just reflecting on the entire time that I knew the family. Of course, I started reflecting on the smoking mirrors. Mm-hmm. I started reflecting on the cries for help in whatever way they manifested themselves. Um, I also remember, I've never been a social media person, but I remember my children reading to me some of the reactions from the community and how a lot of people felt within their spirit that juxtaposition that kept Rearing his ugly head around sanctify family, uh you know, the do good part versus what was actually going on. like you could just through the through the post, you could hear in everyone's thoughts and through their voices those those questions and those reflections on what things that had happened and what their reactions were, whether they were answering the calls and cries for help or not. Mm -hmm. And just really people feeling uh, betrayed by the persona that um, and the identity that Marie had created. Wow. And that's really
0: interesting, too, because... You know, a lot of the people like even reading through court papers, there were a number of people who gave character reference for Marie and even a lot of people that I have reached out to for this auto documentary to tell Erica's story. I got a lot of no's. I got no's from her pastors. I got no's from people from her church. I got no's from friends of Kiara and Sierra. I got no's from Sierra and Kiara as well. And um, which I can more so understand them not wanting to talk about this, but it was really surprising to me that there seemed to be more people who were still holding on to that persona of Marie and weren't willing to, even with the death of Erica, weren't willing to let that be shaken at all. And that surprised me you know um does that surprise you all at all that there were still there were and still are so many people who are i guess still believing the smoke and the mirrors
3: yeah i'm quite surprised um the, the uh, again it it could be just the the relationship that we had with that family um but uh, i i'm i'm quite surprised that that folks would continue to believe in the in the um, persona that uh, Marie um, portrayed over the years.
4: Mm-hmm. Andrel, I guess I I, I guess I want to offer another another viewpoint in that for me, even when you reached out and you asked, you know, for us to be able to. Share some of our thoughts about this situation and this tragedy is that um, you, I I don't necessarily think that it's all about people still believing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it takes a lot for, it takes a lot to be able to share these kinds of thoughts and feelings and pieces of the journey because one maybe some people do still hold on to the persona but also as you contribute to the story you have to it 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 goes into your spirit and you have to accept some things that you did wrong and accept some things that you did right. And for me, for a long time, until you reached out, I didn't really have to face head on what I did and I didn't do. And when the thoughts came in my mind, I could push them aside and I didn't have to pull up what really happened and what I experienced. And so I think, like, when I originally was hesitant about sharing my feelings and my thoughts and my insights around these, this experience. I have fond memories of people in that family, like the son. I remember him making a big banner and it was hanging up on the wall when my husband and I came into the Academy one morning and he said, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I'm think I think about that. I think about watching those kids. When my youngest son, who was just graduated from college last weekend, I remember the biological children chasing my son through the academy, saying, "Come here, cause you got a stinky diaper, and we got to get it changed." And my <laughs> son, like running through the academy with his stinky diaper on, stinking up all the rooms. And they trying to catch him so that he could get his diaper changed and you know again remembering when we were just dog tired after big performances in December and we're you know in the wee hours of the evening trying to clean up and they're there Mm -hmm. and so those memories or the praying circle those memories don't go away and those memories are fond memories and good memories but I also remember the eyes Erica's eyes going from being wide open to shut tight and for me to share and be you know a part of this sharing it's making me have to face up to some things that were good about that relationship and some things that were not so good and maybe some things that I ignored and it makes me have to on my part in Erica's death. And I think that that's the piece that people are not necessarily ready to go to. And that if you don't talk about it, as I mentioned to you, Laleta, in some of the thoughts I had earlier this week, I could sweep those to the side and keep moving and keep pushing and trying not to face up to the fact of what really happened wow that's that's powerful
0: and i i i absolutely agree i'm sure that is so much a part of of the telling of erica's story because there were so many people so many places so many um hands and eyes and touches that i think you hit that nail dead on the head um I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you sharing that. What was the type of dynamics that you all saw between the children? And again, Andrew, you may have seen it more during the week at school, but maybe you both saw how Erica and Kiara and Sierra and Julius engaged with each other. Uh
4: yes, they it seemed to be, and again, this was just a c- quick thought that came across my mind as you were asking the question. There seemed to be a way that the, the kids moved in um, a self preserving manner where mm-hmm. each had their coping mechanism for keeping themselves safe. Mm-hmm. But they also knew the importance of the identity that was being created. And how communalism, you know, the duty to one's family and social group being more important than individual rights and privileges. Wow. And so they they knew that what they were putting out needed to be presented as a collective, but when you really watch them closely, each had their self um preservation protective measures to keep themselves safe and out of the line of fire, so to speak. However, the um, Sierra and the son, um, Julius seemed to be more aligned with carrying out the creation of the family identity. And Kiera seemed to be as much as she could without putting herself in too much harm, too much of harm's way, she seemed to be a rebel. And if any voice was going to come out against what was happening, she seemed to be the one that would, that would do that that in a, in a very thought provoking way by asking questions or, um, you know, maybe just, uh, Having people be more conscious about their actions, provoking questions and moving in a way that would have the rest of the family being more conscious about about how they how they carried out, you know, some of the things that 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 were occurring. And so um, there was a collective, again, communal, identity but there was also an individual from each child way of preserving and keeping them um, preservation and keeping themselves safe.
0: Well I, I love the thought that you're bringing up about the communal identity and I think that is one of the things that keeps children trapped in abusive families from speaking out because it is very much so and I'm speaking from experience very much so. You downplay who you are, your importance as an individual for the sake of saving the family, keeping the family together, thinking that anything you know that's going on, anything you say outside of that home that's going on, you then have put the entire family at risk for destruction. And kids learn that young. Yes, that was very evident. Yes, kids learn that young. And it's interesting as well. Because as the story progresses, Kiara, after eight years, after Erica had been murdered, and her body horribly disposed of, she comes forward, and she reaches out to the Gary, Indiana police, and she says, "Hey, I think this missing person that you have is my cousin Erica Hill," and that this brought the explosion up and open. And um she asserted that her mother killed Erica. And it's interesting because what you're talking about, Sierra and the son continued on to 2015 where they asserted that the physical abuse that Ciara talked about that they all got, but she said Erica got the worst of it, um they totally denied that there had been any physical abuse whatsoever in the family and that Kiara was
4: lying. Mm. Yeah, that 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 aligns with what I saw as well. Yeah.
0: And it, you know, one of the reasons Kiara said she came forward was because she wanted to end generational curses and i can't imagine the the courage that it took for someone who was so enmeshed and so committed to this family identity and the preservation of the family and almost like marie being the queen bee or the queen aunt you know protect her and her identity and persona that she had the courage to come out after all of these years and say this is what happened, and I fear that if Kiara had not done what she did in 2015, that all these years later we still never would have known what happened to Erica. Right, and so, um, so I'm very grateful to her because I think one of the saddest things for me in this whole story is the fact that what actually happened to Erica even after her heinous death she died horribly it was a very painful and cruel way in which she died that even after that after the years of abuse after the years of her light going out and her visibility that she remained invisible even in her death and the telling the telling of someone else of her journey and i felt like um what a disservice to a child to have traveled along such a painful journey and then have a bunch of lies say that it was paved with roses and not thorns. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is my deep motivation. And, and one of the things that I'm going will mention it here because you are some people as well as other folks in the community that I want to reach out to is one of the things that researching this story has sparked in me, is a desire to help Erica's spirit rest well. And what I discovered in doing this story was that not only was Erica's body never claimed, no one at this time has been able to tell me in talking to the authorities in Gary, Indiana, has been able to tell me even where Erica is buried. And what I discovered was that Erica never had a a godly burial. She never had a memorial and she never had a funeral. So that in 2015, when it was discovered that Erica, when it was discovered that Erica had been murdered, what ended up happening was everything about it became about Marie and there were no voices that were speaking up for Erica even to claim her body. And one of the things I'm gonna be doing is reaching out to folks who knew her, who loved her in this community to have a godly earned memorial service for her and to be able to do something in the community, whether it be at Lincoln where she went to elementary school, at Wright where she went to middle school, at where where she may have gone, or in some kind of way to memorialize Erica, because I want her name, which has been buried for so many years. I want her name to be on our lips. I want us to say her name, Erica Hill, and I wanna do something in her honor that keeps her before us. That's beautiful.
4: That is absolutely beautiful and absolutely needs to be done. And
0: um, as someone who did not have the privilege of of knowing Erica um, while she lived, it's been my great honor to get to know Erica, unfortunately, in her death. And so being able to call upon people like you who didn't know and love her, who knew her personality and knew the things that she loved would be so helpful and knowing what to do and and what things will best honor her.
4: Yes. And we do have, um, if we're able to find them, we do have some samples of some of the work that um, some of the children did at the academy. And we may be so blessed to be able to find some of her work in in some of those things we'll have to it's a a mighty feat to to put our hands on it but we might be able to find something that she created while she was at the academy
0: that would be amazing that's something i have been hoping for longing for that would be amazing if you're able to do that Mm -hmm. thank you so as we wrap up the this conversation and i appreciate you both so much one question that i've been asking everyone is if If you could say something to Erica now, what would you like to say?
4: I think I would just say three things. Um, I see you. I hear you. And I feel you. Wow.
0: Thank you. Arlington?
3: Three words. I love you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you all. I appreciate most of all, um, you sharing the vibrant Erica, the brilliant Erica, the full of life and knowledge um, that I had not heard of until this conversation. And I
4: am so deeply grateful to you all for that. I would just like to say, as a person who who did know Erica, um, it's moving me in a very powerful way that you did not know her. And that someone who did not know her had the courage to get her story told and give her a proper ending to uh, a very vibrant and brilliant life. And I am very grateful and very appreciative and grateful that you pushed me beyond my limits of where I really wanted to go. And again, going back down the whole journey. um, But as we end our conversation, realizing that um, it was it is and continues to be very necessary for me to. Contribute in a way where um, justice is served, and that the beautiful life that she did live, that the story gets told.
0: Well, I have enjoyed, <clears throat> I have enjoyed being able to talk with you all and hear beautiful stories, and I, I thank you for taking the time, and just pray that those beautiful memories of Erica. You help to keep those alive. As my grandmother would say, mm mm, mm. that was a good conversation. And listen, we're not playing. We mean this thing. We mean to defend black girlhood by taking on the tough conversations that need to be had in order to do so. And we would love for you to get more connected with our work and our mission by visiting Laleta.org to explore the dynamic work we're doing to defend black girls everywhere they are. And while you're there, we invite you to join our mailing list so you will not miss one single fearless conversation.